Everybody, 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 drop your buff, stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we're back talking, and just like that, season two, episode eight, a hundred years ago. Mm. Feels like season two started a hundred years ago. I was going to say, there definitely <laughs> feels like a journey has been, I was going to say completed, but we're not yet there. But yeah, it definitely, uh, it feels like time spent. A friend of mine messaged me after listening to the last episode, or actually it was the last episode of Shut Up Evan, where you asked if I could name as many characters from And Just Like That as possible. And he messaged and said, you forgot Lizette. And I was like, that feels like a hundred years ago. No, we did mention her. We just didn't mention her by name. We mentioned Carrie's <laughs> Carrie's like apartment mate or something. <laughs> so she was... Uh, she was mentioned, but yes, we did not mention okay. her by name. So let's say her name now, Lizette. Say and, her name. And we would need to add to the list, uh, because this episode we were introduced to a new side character via Seema, her coworker Elliot, uh, yes, who joined the we fold. Were. Yeah. We were. <laughs> uh, and another one we forgot was back in this episode. Uh, I don't think uh, with, with an actual appearance, but Juan Jose... Yes. Uh, we were, Yeah, we were given reference to Juan Jose this episode. Yeah, we were in the same room, just didn't see him. In the room where it happened. Yeah, well, it's been another episode, you know? <laughs> Is there more to that sentence? Or like, that's just, it's been another episode, period. It's been another episode, sort of like last week, I think, for me, where it's just a little bit like, I found myself frustrated by this episode. Hmm. Well, I've successfully completed my second watch. Okay. Um, I, you know what? Hey, ago. guess what? I did too. Okay. This is um, the first time I've watched it twice. I'm amped to discuss this episode. Yeah, sure. It's lots to discuss. Lots to discuss. There's good, there's bad, and there's ugly, I would say, in this episode. Yeah, so uh, with that in mind, like, where would you like to touch down on first? Well, remember last week we said that we're trying something new. Well, you're trying something new, and I've just adopted it, which is that we're going to give some compliments out. Great. <laughs> do you want to go first, or do you yeah, want me to go sure. first? No, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I loved the stuff with... Look, I really liked Carrie talking to the girls about Aiden. I liked that lunch. Uh, I liked the all the stuff about the Howard's End-esque farm-style house. Uh, I really, really loved the conversation with Miranda on the street about Aiden and Big. Um, I thought that that was really powerful. I could go into a negative here, but I'm going to leave Not it yet. there. How yeah. about you? Well, uh, just to piggyback on that, I too love that scene with Miranda and Carrie, and I felt like it was a familiar, well, a once familiar shade of Miranda, which was seeing her being judgmental. Mm. Um, her kind of saying like, I'm glad that you're in this blissful state, but like, let's pump the brakes and assess whether or not you're moving too fast. And I was kind of hoping for a classic Miranda Carrie fight, because we haven't gotten one on and just like that. Um, but I still, nonetheless, like really 
did enjoy that scene. And I think I said this last week, but I just, I love, a, or I think I said I was craving this or something, but I just, anytime it's a Cynthia SJ special, you know, you know you're in for a treat. Um, the high point for me of this episode was definitely SJ um, throughout. I kind of like the fact that, I like the way SJ is playing this, where it's, she, so I know you haven't seen it, but on season six of Sex and the City, Carrie begins dating a guy named Alexander Petrovsky. And basically the criticism from her girlfriends is that she's living in a fantasy. Like she's dating this guy and it's sucking her out of her world. And she's becoming sort of like entrapped in his world, which is, you know, kind of like storybook-esque. I like the fact that the way Carrie and Aiden are playing this is like, it feels blissful, but it's also, there are some realities to the circumstance in the sense of like them trying to figure out the cadence of their schedules and where they go when they meet and being at this Airbnb, um, which is its own sort of, you know, interesting mm -hmm. storyline, which <laughs> I think we'll get to. Uh, but I do like all of this. I like the, I like that we're just sort of like into the Carrie and Aiden relationship and not sort of, like we're not getting back into the rhythm, we're in the rhythm. And I think right. that was a smart choice from the writers. And then I do wanna say, while I could take issue with some of the Seema Carey storyline in the sense that it felt a little underbaked, I gotta say like that scene outside the salon did hit for me. <laughs> and I will say, I know we're not exactly like Seema stands on this podcast, but I thought the way that Seema played that scene where she entered into the, the dinner with Aiden and sat down and the way she said, thank you for the space and the way SJ smiled at her, um, that arc, although, you know, small, it did, it did land for me. Okay. And I love the contrast of their umbrellas. Mmm. Important. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, okay, so I don't even know where to start, but do you want to, maybe well, let's start with Seema, since we're talking about her, because this is some, This is the only thing that changed on round two for me, mm -hmm. um, that I, at first watch, I thought Seema be, is being totally unreasonable and jealous here, and she is, I still think that on watch two, but on watch two, I don't feel as... Uh, put off by it because it does does feel really real to me sometimes you have those feelings about like a changing dynamic in your friendship and they're not necessarily rational but you still play into them and look I think that that tracks for Seema as a character and I think that the way she played it tracks for her as a character you know whether or not like I love this character it is beside the point I'm starting to feel that she's maybe the most real of the new characters uh, as as a result of this episode like she is flawed in 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 a very realistic way agreed and i thought it landed the fact that when she had the line saying you've had two great loves i've had none and then carrie started to like begin to interject by saying something to the effect of like you'll you know you'll find love and, and Seema like stops her and she's like that's not what i'm looking for you to say i like that idea cuz sometimes i think in friendships when you admit a hard truth it can be the tendency and i know a lot of us have felt this as the on the receiving end of it to like comfort our friend by saying like that thing that you don't have it's just around the corner and i like Seema being like that's not what i'm looking for you to say here and that might not even be true mm. The fact that, like, this is all revolving around a Hamptons rental 
is a little like <laughs> hollow, but I still think that the foundation is there. And and as you're saying, it's like, I do feel like I, like what Seema is feeling in her response is very real. I do think that like, it was a little heavy handed in that when we got that, that first brunch that you were speaking to and we kept getting those cuts to Seema, I feel like this show has a tendency to like really hammer home something, um, as is the case with our Charlotte storyline this week. Um, so I thought there could have been a way where Seema seemed really excited, but there was a little something off. Instead, it's like she seemed very off throughout the lunch. Yeah. And that to me was like a little overblown. But nonetheless, I do, I think this was a solid story. It was like definitely a B plus story for Seema. Yeah. Maybe we should touch on the Charlotte story. Because... Well, before that, can we just, oh. we should put a bow on the Seema story. Yeah, sure. We also sort of get this B storyline from Seema. Seema really got a, a big episode. Naya, right. unfortunately, is, I don't know if she's <laughs> stuck in the kitchen round two of the souffle or what, but Naya was conspicuously absent from this episode. But we did get the introduction of what is potentially a new love interest for Seema, which I'm sure we'll be seeing more of next episode. I just gotta say though, this guy, this director coming in and saying, I'm in New York City for nine months shooting a Marvel movie. What fucking Marvel movie shoots in New York City? Like, I'm sorry, like what on earth? And then on top of that, as though- I mean, it's not impossible. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Uh, Like Marvel movies shoot on location all the time. No, you're not shooting a nine month action movie in New York City. You just don't like that. <laughs> okay, nine makes... months. M- nine months might be a lot. You're Fine, right. Fine. If it was like two weeks and we're doing exteriors or something, perhaps. And like then on two top months, of that, let's say I, I know it's not a Marvel movie, but the, like I felt like I was watching fucking behind the scenes of Joker for the past <laughs> two years. Fair, fair. Uh, and then the idea that like the director would be the one looking for his apartment as opposed to his assistant or someone involved with production. There just were many parts of it. I was like, what? And then the fact that he's in the office. Um, Anyway, a lot of questions about that, but I think this is, I'm excited for Seema to potentially have love, but I do think just like, this is the complexity of the message here, right? Because they want to sort of say in this episode that Seema has not found love and that's okay. But at the same time, they're setting up a new love interest for Seema. So it sort of is a confusing messaging because I feel like, and this is true of Sex and the City too, where it sort of wanted to have that message. And and this is spoken several times on the original series about like, not every, there's a big episode where where the the four women are are at, I think it's like a a late night at the diner one night. and, And they sort of present the idea of like, what if we're each other's soulmates, which is this idea of like friendship supersedes romantic love. But then ultimately it's like, they fall back on the fact that in this moment, Seema's like, although this is very much an episode around Seema and Carrie's friendship, they did introduce this like, and yet Seema has a new love interest when I think there's power in not, but like, I feel like when the show tends to do this, cause thinking about Naya last episode, it's like, she doesn't need love. She's got a souffle and it can't help but feel a little sad where you're like, maybe mm. she does need love. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's just like classic Seema that this man is in her office 
right? He needs her help, her boss or whatever. I, I, like, I don't quite know how sort of like real estate works, but um, this person who is above her and directing her to some extent is telling her to work with this guy to find a rental property. And she's being <laughs> such a bump on a log about it being like, no, I don't do that. I'm not doing this. And it's like, I don't believe that Seema would have like a high powered director in her office and act like that. Or if she does, then I don't know how she's so good at real estate. Because you got to be like a little bit of a bullshitter to, to sort of like succeed in that world. Right. But also I was confused how she was suddenly coerced by the idea of the commission. And it's like the commission off of a rental is so much significantly less than the commission off of like uh, yeah. a buy that... To me, it's like when you're a real estate agent at SEMA's level, you don't entertain rentals. Right. Like no matter the cost, it's just never going to be as worthwhile as selling a house. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but maybe there's like something to building a relationship here where this like director is going to. Yeah. But there's also something like kind of like, I mean, not that the show like needs to be like rooted in ethics, but it's like the idea <laughs> that like, again, if we have one Anthony storyline, which is centered around sort of like workplace, you know, mm-hmm. goings on. And then this one too, it's sort of like, it's okay for like two coworkers to have like to be attracted to one another and like not act on it. Then also you have Carrie and the podcast guy from episode mm-hmm. one and two. It's like, what is it about this show where it's like people can't just be like functioning coworkers? Well, the problem maybe is that they don't do anything except, uh, well, I mean like Carrie doesn't have a job, but when she did, when she was podcasting, the problem is they don't do anything outside of that. It's so rare yeah. that they're like at a party all together. It's like, and, and when they are, it's, it's, it's like Lizette's, fucking jewelry show or something like you're not going to meet anybody there because it's busy getting burgled so there's not like maybe like there was the halloween party but nobody met anybody there Uh, no that's true well so anthony (laughs) met the guy from the steam room or rematch but he had already met him yeah Yeah. i gotta touch that on the fact though that because you bring this up and i i hadn't really thought about this it's like what does carrie do all day because aiden's only bopping in every other week when the kids are away She's got no job. I mean, I know she's getting her hair done. I know she's going to get some, you know, some houseware for the Airbnb rental. But like, yeah, like uh, the book's out. She did WidowCon. Like that's in the rear of you now. Like what is, what is Carrie's ambitions beyond like romance? Yeah. She needs a hobby. She does. Just something. Take a painting or I don't know. Build a Lego. Let's talk about Charlotte. (laughs) Because speaking of jobs, Charlotte's finally got her job. Yeah. But the only thing worse than having to go into work is having to go in work fat. Yeah. Okay, so... Liz Lizzo would tell her dancers. (laughs) What was this storyline? This was nutso. Um, Like... First of all, I have not listened to the Writer's Room podcast yet, so I'm very eager to, because I'm sure this is some real-life experience that happened to (laughs) one of these writers. This makes... First of all, like, I don't mean to be, like, the problematic police, but, like, this was a problematic storyline, and I'm all about a problematic storyline as long as it's treated with the lens of, like, this is not good behavior, but, like, 
this storyline like validated Charlotte's yeah. emotions a lot in a way that I thought needed more scrutiny. Like the like the bone broth of it all, the fact that she's just uh-huh. like in her gorgeous kitchen enjoying the bone broth instead of having one of her kids come in there and be like, "What the fuck are you doing, mom?" Yeah. So that was odd. What troubled me about the storyline from the outset was the fact that if you're going to try and pull off this plot, you at least need to have her look away that communicates to the audience an understanding of how she feels when she looked exactly the same in the Spanx and not in the Spanx. The Mm -hmm. dress fit her perfectly. She looked amazing. So that was really strange. And then can you tell me if I'm understanding this final beat the way that I think I did, which is that Mm -hmm. she gets to the gallery sees the two skinny minis that she imagined would be working there. And then all of a sudden, the fabulous Tony Award-winning Bonnie Milligan descends the stairs. Bonnie Milligan is a plus-size woman. Charlotte sees her, and because she spots someone who is not pencil-thin, figures out the fact that she does not need to conform to this idea of how she thinks she needs to be, goes into the bathroom, removes the Spanx, then has like this empowering, I'm looking in the mirror and like, I love me for me moment, then returns to her old way of thinking and says, actually, I don't need the four Spanx, but I do need the one. Yeah. Is that, that's what happened? Yeah, that's what happened. Not good. Not Not good. good. This was, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Just to see, like, so I don't, sorry, I don't know this Tony Award winner, but, but but essentially this, this is her boss, right? This is her new boss um, or like direct supervisor, it seems to me, walking down the stairs. And because this plus sized woman is comfortable wearing a crop top, that it's, it's almost as though Charlotte's going, well, then I look great next to her. It's like, so, such a weird message and so I was like, it felt really icky to me. It was really icky. And, and, and this whole storyline was like, yeah, again, like like you said, not to be the problematic police, but like it's promoting disordered eating. Right. It's promoting body shaming. But without the disordered like, eating having like a consequence, right? Exactly. One, yeah, yeah, no consequence. Like, because this is real, right? Like I do, like the idea of this storyline, I understand. There are a totally. lot of women that... Or no, there are a lot of human beings that feel this way, that live this way, et cetera. But I think it's incumbent on the show to make some sort of statement about that or to have it sort of blow up in Charlotte's face. Yes. Yes. There were no consequences for Charlotte. And at the end of the day, she was like, you know what? In comparison, I am skinny. And like, what kind of, like, what is that? It was so strange. And also the fact that like, it's like there was there was never an acknowledgement that this was all sort of like in Charlotte's head or that this was like insecurity that was sort of presenting as a result of her be- maybe being insecure about being out of the workplace for so long and having to reenter it. Uh, like it wasn't some manifestation of that, w- which they could have very easily done. Um, it just it felt so strange to me. And the fact that like she looked the same in that dress as she has in every other dress and she is a skinny woman. <laughs> it's just like, what are they doing? Like, what, yeah, would, this what were they just doing? This did here? not feel like an appropriate plot point to explore with Charlotte. I also wasn't sure. There's the moment earlier in the episode when she goes shopping with LTW, which, by the way, I love that LTW look. She looked phenomenal. But there's like that look that the store person gives mm-hmm. to Charlotte, like when she first walks in. And I was like, what is that meant to indicate? Like, I didn't understand, like, 
is it, I, is my understanding having now watched the episode twice that that woman was supposed to be signaling you're too fat to be fitting into these clothes? I think so. Like that doesn't make any sense. And it also doesn't make any sense because she went away and came back with four options that she felt would be like. So it's not like it's not like the store is not catered to. <laughs> A woman of size like Charlotte. Yeah, a right? size six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's actually, so wild. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear again from the writer's room just because I want to understand what they were hoping for this plot to like convey. But again, I just, I'm still really stuck on where it landed with that added beat of her going back in and taking the one Spanx because I can just hear the writer's room podcast right now being like, isn't it so funny that she ditches the four, but then it's very Charlotte to be like, well, I still need the one. And I'm like, I don't like that beat for her. I don't like that beat. Yeah. And And then I felt like they added like, there's that VO moment with Harry when they're in the bathroom and Harry leaves. And then you, I don't know if this was like brought about in post when he like shouts back being like, you're beautiful the way you are. And I was like, it's just so this show to like think that they're getting away with it because their idea of like is that Harry doesn't scrutinize her decision, but Harry enforces the fact that he do- he thinks she's beautiful the way she is. But it's like, actually, Harry, if you were the good man that I think that that moment is trying to convey, you would be telling your wife that like it's not okay to be subsisting off of a life of bone broth, especially when you have two kids, two very impressionable kids that should not be shown disordered eating as a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. I got a question about this storyline because at some point Charlotte is going through an old uh, shoebox or hat box perhaps of photos and we get our first look this season at Samantha and I have to ask is that a photo that we know is that a press photo of the ladies no that is a photo from Sex and the City (gasps) that is from season five that photo is taken in the episode. Oh my god! I could cry. Oh my god! Um, the women go to Atlantic City. I'm looking at my phone right now to show you. Sorry, I know it's a podcast, but this is the moment okay. it was taken. Oh wow! So yeah, they're on the bus back from Atlantic City. They have a rather chaotic trip. It's a great episode, and they ask a woman on the bus to take their photo. So that is a real photo. However, that the photo as it exists on it, just like that, there is not a frame that looks exactly the same. Um, mm. Like we don't see that actual shot, but which is funny because the 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 shot that they show on it, just like that, if you look at it, Carrie is smiling, but. Everyone else, Samantha looks like content, but Miranda and and Charlotte like (laughs) look uncomfortable. And in the real photo, which I'm going to post this on my Instagram so you'll be able to see, in the real photo, all four of them are smiling. So they actually like should have just chosen the frame from Sex and the City because it's a really sweet photo. Um, Do you think that maybe in that episode they actually did take a photo? Or they took several photos and they're using one of those actual photographs? Or do you think they just took a still from a a point in that episode and printed it? No, I think the former, the the first one. So it's a real photo. Yeah, I think it's a real photo. But my point being is like they would have been better off taking a still from the episode Mm. because there's a really cute shot of the four of them. Mm. Wow, what an artifact. Yeah, it's funny. It's like the second I saw that photo, I was like, I remember that moment. (laughs) And I love stuff like that. That's some of my favorite aspects of the show is like when it properly pays respect and there's another moment in this episode where we get Carrie referencing Aiden's uh country home which yes, we famously tell me see. about that so what yeah that so story? in season four 
Carrie goes to see Aiden's uh, country home in Suffern, New York. Um, get the joke. Uh, <laughs> and you get a really famous shot that I think non-Sex and the City fans might recall, which is Carrie at um, at a, what's it called? What's it called? <laughs> I, sometimes a word can't, when you go to drive-thru. Carrie's at a drive-thru, I think it's a McDonald's, and she asks for two fries, a shake, and a Cosmopolitan. Okay. It's like a famous meme from the show. But anyway, basically the storyline is that Carrie goes to Aiden's home and is just completely disoriented that someone could live without, you know, all of the the accoutrements that Carrie is accustomed to. And then, are you ready for this? What? She gets a phone call from Big being like, my girlfriend just broke up with me. I'm miserable. And Carrie invites Big to come to the country house and the three of them are at the country house. And are you ready for this? They have a threesome. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, 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 no. But, but, <laughs> but, um, Aiden and Big mud wrestle. No, they don't. I don't know if there's mud. They wrestle. Wow. They wrestle. Yeah. I think they wrestle in the mud, but it's not mud wrestling. Right. It's not like. But yeah, planned. that's it's a not, is, it, is it like spontaneous? They're actually wrestling like. Yeah, they're, they're mad at each other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's Why kind the fuck of would Carrie invite Big to the shack? Crazy. Chaos Carrie. But I gotta say, it's really fun because you have these two characters that exist entirely separately. It's very much a multiverse of madness moment right. because it's like, oh my God. And they have such chemistry together because there's very few moments when you get the boys together. That's why. Mm. Aiden and Steve together is always so much fun because it's like these characters that are siphoned off to their other half kind of getting to mix it up. So it's, it's really, really fun. I feel like John Corbett and uh, Chris Noth like never had more fun than they did in that episode. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. I also am going to be posting probably like later this week. I did a little uh, a four frame post that's Aiden's first appearance in season three, his first appearance in season four, his first appearance in Sex and the City 2, and his first appearance on End Just Like That. And I gotta say, season four Aiden is so fucking hot. I would love to see this because I have to say, you know, this opening shot of them in bed, like I wasn't necessarily feeling Aiden at that point. No, I, I wasn't feeling him either. I did appreciate SJ with the feet on the chest. That was yeah, like incredibly I liked that. I, I loved SJ in the bed. I thought she looked like it was such an interesting look for her. Yes, it, remi- it reminded me of watching season one of Sex in the City where it was like her, uh, that, that first episode or second episode where she's like rolling around in bed with a guy and was like, oh, this is like, we've got like a very natural look here in bed. It feels yep. really real. This is yep. what sex looks like or like waking up looks like. I mean, a TV version of it, but like, this is kind of what it looks like. And I liked, you know, she was just kind of like doing something with her face and mouth and lips that like wasn't, it wasn't a perfectly posed moment. It felt yes. natural. It's also very funny hearing Carrie remark on the $26 omelet as she spends what I imagine is thousands and thousands of dollars to stay in a hotel that is not necessary. And here's something I got to touch down on real quick. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but the idea that this is why Aiden's a bit of an emotional terrorist in the sense that I get like night one, he doesn't want to go Mm -hmm. up into the apartment. Right. But now that we're ostensibly dating or in some sort of situationship, it does not make sense for this man to force Carrie 
to be spending all this money at a hotel instead of just, sorry, manning up and going into her apartment. Like, it's insane that, like, this would have been a great fight for them to have, actually. Yeah, yeah. To be like, listen, I understand your desire not to come in, but, like, this is just, this does not make sense. So... But to that end, I did appreciate the line that Carrie says to Seema during the umbrella scene when she's like, it's not about the money or something where it's like, thank you, Carrie. Like at least acknowledging <laughs> money is, is never the issue for Carrie. But yeah, I'm just like, Aiden, like what are we doing here? And then he makes the comment about like this kitchen at the Airbnb is empty. And it's like, well, yeah, if you went over to Carrie's kitchen, you'd be able to poach a fucking egg. Go Literally. to Carrie's house. It's wild. It's wild. And the fact that Carrie is like, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe we're supposed to be criticizing her that she's so sort of like love drunk and she's not, uh, as Miranda said, like you don't even know that you're Googling Norfolk, England. Right. And like you're not, you don't care that like this isn't sustainable. We can't no. be staying at a hotel every time you're here. No. And, you know, Che's about to get evicted for Airbnb in their place. So like that's not going to be an option forever. What was like the, like what was the neighbor that called? What was he calling? Like what was the issue? Like... Were they, like, being really loud? Or, like, I just... Yes, like, they had these well, awkward uh, run-ins in the hallway. Yeah. I, I think that from the neighbor's perspective, this is probably not the first run-in that uh-huh. the neighbor has had with Airbnbers at Che's place. Um, and so he's probably had it. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and you know, Aiden was acting so weird that he was like, okay, like, enough. like Or, or, or he called the building and the building called, right? Got it. Um, uh, I do but, feel like... like uh, what, uh, my big question is, like, Che going over there, what does that solve? Right. Like, unless unless he's seeing Che with them and they're, it's clear they're all buddy-buddy, then, like, this doesn't actually solve anything, Che just being in the space. Yes. Unless they're so like, loud that the neighbor can hear them in there talking, which I is feel like a when possibility. We, when we got the shot of Che in Carrie's apartment, I was like, this needs a flat Because the last time Che was in Carrie's apartment... Oh, you haven't seen season one. The last time Che was at Carrie's apartment was when Che was finger banging Miranda while (gasps) Carrie was passed out on the bed. So I feel like there was a great opportunity for a flashback to that moment and sort of Che missing Miranda because all Mm. of a sudden we're just sort of like these two characters have completely dissolved not only their relationship, but any like connection they once had to each other. Like, I wonder if last episode that Carrie and Che walk and talk was the last reference we're going to get from one of them about the (laughs) other one. Most curious. Um, (sighs) But yeah, Yeah. I am, I I don't really understand (laughs) what Che is doing on this show still. um, And yet they are, but I gotta say the moment with Carrie walking off the elevator when Aiden refers to Che as she and Carrie corrects with the they, them, I get what the writers are doing. I think in 2023, we can just have Aiden say they, them and not need this sort of like teachable moment in here. Totally. Uh, I think yeah. there's a way in which if we're, if we're going to, and not if we're going to, as we, as we have more non-binary representation in media, it's incumbent on those writing it to go the extra step, in my opinion, and normalizing it. And so instead of everything being about like, cause we already got the clunky they, them moment during the pilot taping. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've done that beat. Now we sort of need to get to a place where, yeah, someone like Aiden, they've had this conversation off camera, you know what I mean? In a scene that we didn't see and Aiden is just down with the they, them pronoun. And then yeah, for him to do because, that weird joke of like, it's they yeah. them's apartment or something. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like, what did what was the conversation that Carrie and Aiden had on the way packing to go to Che's apartment on the yeah. way to Che's apartment? Aiden never asked, like, whose apartment are we going to? Like, this would have come up by now. Yes. You know? Yes. So, yes. Uh, well, Che is also working through lunches at the veterinary clinic. Like, they're sticking to their guns on that story. Yeah, but, like, someone needs to call OSHA because it's, like, you need to get a lunch break, babe. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's required. Also, why is time and a half coming in here? Why wouldn't they, Like, if I were Che's boss, I'd be like, no, you need to take lunch. We're not paying. Yeah, they don't like, pay time and a half. Yeah. Like, they don't want to pay time and a half. Confusing. And Judy's there. So, like, why do we need the coverage? Right. Doesn't also, I was confused why... So, I understand, like, from Chase's perspective that having Carrie there presents, like, a regular check. But I'm also, like, if Che is this down bad, where they need to literally, like, do time and a half and not take a lunch break, why can't they need to figure out some sort of situation in which they give up this apartment? Like this is why do they mm-hmm. still have this apartment? And no, and I know you could argue like, well, they signed a lease, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I at least think that to be acknowledged. The fact that it, it feels very odd to have Che with this gigantic apartment, but then also give us a storyline where it's like Che is really hard out for cash. So, but it's also like, did Che have a day job in season one? The podcast. Oh, or the radio show that whatever X Y and me. That's how we first meet Che. Is that they're the hosts yeah. of this podcast? So then I, I just don't understand. Like Che was obviously making a living both as a stand-up comic, certainly enough to get picked up for like a network pilot, uh, and and making yeah, cameos. He was doing a podcast, and why like why can't they do what they were doing before? Why, like, why are they taking a surface job? I, I'm just confused. Right, like, I think it makes sense and is realistic, this idea that, like, Che would need to have some sort of side hustle to supplement their lifestyle. But the idea that, like, suddenly Che is no longer working in comedy, no longer recording cameos, that just, like, doesn't make sense. I feel like it would need to be, like, yes, Che's career took a hit, with their with their uh, television series not getting picked up, I understand that, but like the derailment of Che Che's life as we know it feels abrupt because it's like that pilot didn't exist, right? Like, well, I mean, so at this point, it's almost a year ago, but <laughs> but that pilot didn't exist before, and they were doing fine. It would be interesting, you, you know. You say side hustle, and I'm like, okay, what would be more fun than the veterinary clinic? Che starts Uber Eats driving or something. Like, how fun would that be? Like, do or some... give us like a high maintenance storyline where it's like Che becomes like a a weed delivery person. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And then you can then we can get even more side characters in the mix. Yeah, totally. But uh, I do wonder, it's, it's... like, like so. Let's like say that season three does happen. It's like, what is the plan for Che moving forward? I already feel like we're hanging on by a thread in terms of connecting them to the show via Carrie. We can only do, like we did, okay, so last episode we did a Carrie-Che lunch. This episode, Carrie's stopping in to work. What's the next way in which Che, like, <laughs> finds their way into this show? And then also we got, like, the Airbnb stop by, which, as you mentioned, was already sort of a difficult, you know, maneuver. Yeah. But um, just most curious. Yeah, and also, it's interesting, this was definitely, like, 
obviously, we, as we said, no Naya this episode. Uh, weird Che, very little LTW. We only got one scene with LTW when she goes shopping with Miranda, uh, or excuse me, with Charlotte. So I feel like this episode was having a difficult time bringing in the side characters, which was fine by me because it gave us more time with the leading ladies and then yeah. Anthony. <laughs> well, so we talked about Charlotte returning to work, but can we talk about Miranda returning to work? Because Miranda has picked up an internship at a place that she, I'm to understand, already turned down an internship. Do we know about this? I don't know. I can't, Human rights I can't watch. follow her life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you explain to me when she's doing the walk and talk with Carrie early on in the episode, she makes a comment saying, I probably shouldn't say totem pole or man or bottom. Like mm-hmm. what's, I don't get it. So she's, I think because she's taken this internship at human rights watch, she is trying to be more woke. But and why so, couldn't she say man? I think it was a joke, but it didn't like, I don't. I thought it was actually funny. Okay. I thought it was funny. Okay. That was like the joke that landed for me this week. Because oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, like, she's like, I shouldn't say totem pole. I was like, oh, that's funny. And then she's like, or man. And I was like, oh, that's what, like, we just took the joke like one step further. And then I thought, wasn't it Carrie that said her bottom? No, it was Miranda. Oh, I thought, I thought Carrie jumped in with that. It was a good one, Carrie. Okay, it's not. Uh, yeah, no, I thought that that was a great joke. Okay. What did you make of the moment, the, the button of that scene, which is, you know, Carrie reveals uh, maybe maybe Big was a big mistake, which is mm-hmm. a big shocker. And then there's like this long shot of Cynthia Nixon. Then the music comes in. Yeah. And then the camera starts to sort of like swivel. I don't know the, the correct term and everything, but it's like this episode was the music cues are really funny because sometimes it's like I don't feel any type of way, but then the music makes me feel a type of way. But then I'm aware that like I don't actually feel that type of way and I'm being manipulated. But then mm-hmm. I kind of just relax into it. It's an odd emotional journey that one goes on. Yeah, I, I felt that. I felt that. I mean, look, 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 like I said, this was my favorite scene of the episode. I thought it was like great. I loved seeing their interactions together. I thought that joke was funny. Uh, and I thought that this reveal was wild that she said that, that, you know, this person that like my entire life has sort of like crumbled around me for the past couple of years or however the hell long it's been um, since Big died. This, this has impacted me so greatly. And now I'm realizing that maybe the entire relationship was a mistake anyway, because I'm so happy with Aiden, which is so layered because it's like, you're just in this, you're like, this is getting to what Miranda's saying that like, maybe you're a little like blind to the situation because you're so, so in your love bubble. But then to drop this like big revelation that Miranda's not going to respond to all of that was great. But then it's like, that's never going to come up again. Like that seems like a huge, huge thing to say and to not follow up on it seems odd. Maybe they will, but like I, I'm losing faith that they will. Well, what about later in the apartment when Shay is like, what happened between the two yeah. of you? And then Carrie's like, I made a mistake. And then they have that like <laughs> prolonged hug where just the, that, that tonal whiplash of like Che coming over, cracking open the beers, having a laugh. And then all of a sudden it's like this really genuine moment of like Carrie sinking into Aiden. Um, I listen, I appreciate the revelation and I agree with her. I think she did make a big mistake. So I think this is an interesting thing to work through this idea of how one in a moment of grief reflects upon their life and 
it's easy in grief to sort of um, sort of look back on things with rose-colored glasses. And I feel like Carrie's having like the opposite and being like, and remembering, not necessarily like the bad times, but now that she has in back. I think this is a really interesting, but to your point, it's like, is this going to be explored more? Yeah. TBD. I have, I'm going to guess not. Are we going to Virginia? Next? Yes, we are. We're going to Virginia. Because, are we? Yeah, because there was this scene where Carrie's going to meet up with Aiden's ex-wife. Oh, okay. So, and she's going to meet the kids. Wow, wait a second. Aiden has a 20-year-old? That tracks. When Aiden said that like a fucking chicken is coming in his house every day and laying an egg in the kid's bed, which doesn't sound very hygienic. It actually sounds disgusting. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, this he's got he's got like a four-year-old. No, these kids are like what, 12, 14, and 20. So or we something. meet the 20-year-old in season six of Sex oh. and the City as a, as a one-year-old. No. Yeah. Wow. Tate. Gagged. Yeah. We meet Tater. Season six, episode one. Tater? Well, Tate's nickname is Tater. Little Tater. Oh. Yeah. Um, no, his name's Tate. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, I, I am curious about what next week is going to be like. I, I love the idea of, like, Carrie in Places Unknown. Like, I feel like mm. taking Carrie out of her environment, whether on the original series, when they went to Los Angeles, when they go to Atlantic City, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, anytime Carrie is, even when they go to Philadelphia for Miranda's mom's funeral, it's like, I love when the show goes out of the city. Now, here's the question mark. This is what I think. I think Carrie's moving to Virginia. Yeah, that's that's how I felt. Because I feel like if we're me. getting a series finale, there was something about Carrie, the way she was looking at Aiden in this episode, and it's like Aiden's never going to... Aiden is not New York. That's never going to be his thing. And it's clear at this point that they've all accepted he's never stepping foot in Carrie's apartment. Right. And oh, and on the scenes for next week's episode, she's putting the apartment on the market. Seema no. is going to list the apartment. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. With Seema, is Seema selling it? Yeah. <laughs> so oh my god things indicate that like yeah that carrie's moving on down there i want to buy it now we were gonna <laughs> talk about miranda because we have to do miranda and then anthony but yeah, so yeah. i gotta say i'm gonna be hyperbolic can you believe mm-hmm. it i hated hated <laughs> this miranda plot I thought it was so stupid, and I thought it was unfortunate that Cynthia Nixon, as an actress, was reduced to this mess. I didn't understand the garlic chocolate chip. Like, I feel like they, like, tried to insert this weird thing of, like, they're enjoying this cookie, and then, like, they had to make it into, like, a plot point. And then to try and get like a comedic beat of Miranda enjoying the cookie, this whole scene, when I rewatched the episode and there's that moment when the two interns, when Miranda comes and sits with them at lunch, the way that they don't even make an attempt to be pleasant to her and the way that they have those, the audio, that the beep of the text message just going off at, you know, every fucking second, I'm like... It's just so heavy handed where it's like, I need them to be nice to her face a little bit more, Yeah. but it just felt so deranged. Yeah. I I don't like this Miranda plot at all, especially thinking about these last few episodes, everything Miranda has been through. It just feels like I'm all, I'm for a Miranda in the workplace storyline. And I like that. It's not something that's revolving around romance, but this just like wasn't fun or funny. No, at all. 
And it was very much giving me like, okay, we talked about that. The These are experiences the writers have. One of the writers had an office job. Clearly. Because it was like, oh, and by the way, can you send that to the executive director? It's like, ooh, the executive director? Oh, my God. Like, what? Like, what? it just all felt so strange. And then that she's an intern for one day and then is offered, like, to backfill, like, the boss for the entire maternity leave. Right. None of it made sense. I will say the one thing I liked about this Miranda story was I really loved the shot of her shaking the salad. Me, too. Me, too. I thought too. that was excellent. Wow. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Like and also a fun little, comedy. but, but Sean, it didn't, I wanted to throw back to season one episode of one of sex in the city. Cause there yeah, were no, me too. no there chicken, was no chicken wings in that salad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's something about Miranda Hobbs shaking a salad that feels instantly comfortable. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, are we going to get more of this plot next episode? Are those stupid interns coming back? And I wanted Miranda to like snap at them more and be like, you know what? Like I've been doing this for 30 years. How dare, like you messed up this fight. Like you did your job wrong. I just didn't like how she's so meek and that's just yeah. not Miranda. I needed it to like culminate with Miranda losing her fucking shit on the interns and and then the and then the boss was going to come and offer her the job but then witnessed the real Miranda and was like I can't work with someone like you, a shark like mm. you. And Miranda's like, "You know what? I am a shark and I belong in a place that like celebrates sharks because it's I belong sharks in a that... shark tank." Exactly. Oh my and god. And this is a goldfish bowl. Yes, like get her yeah. out of there. Ugh. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> I, well, again, luckily, luckily, the next episode will probably be sort of like nine months from now. So the boss will be back. We'll yeah. have had the baby. <laughs> Miranda will be in a whole new place. It's also like, I think I said it's already maybe last episode. But it's like, are we never? No, no, we are seeing Steve in Jokai. Also, we got on the on and just like that's social media weeks ago because there's a Sam Smith guest moment coming up but it's like mm. when i get because you would think that that i was like oh well it'll be in next week because we're going to continue the charlotte at the at the gallery but they didn't show sam in the next episode i'm like when oh oh but do you know what we are getting next episode you're gonna what? be so unhappy what lily and brady are hooking up <laughs> yep <laughs> next episode okay perfect great so well, maybe lily will write a song about it what about this? Lily had her heart broken. The power she penis. lost her virginity to her boyfriend during the uh, bomb, bomb cyclone. And gets broken up with a matter of weeks later. No song out of that. Right. I want to hear the song. Yeah, would that be her I want to hear all too era? well Lily's version, 10-minute version. Yeah, that'd be something. No, that's not her reputation era. No, oh, sorry. It's her, it's her red era. Okay. <laughs> now okay so let's pop over to anthony and this mess yeah, but i gotta tell you and i mean this like on a serious note i was thinking about this bizarre storyline and thinking god if stanford were still around i i just can't help but think of how, like, what would have happened with Stanford on the show and how much better of a show it might have been had Stanford been around and how if anyone was going to be the fourth member at the table, it made so much sense for it to be Stanford. 
and watching these like this bizarre Anthony plotline play out and watching us sort of like dignify the character of Anthony so much, a character that I think was meant to just <laughs> be a sort of like bitchy gay that came and went. I just uh -huh. missed Stanford so much, and 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 by proxy the actor Willie Garson, who passed away after he did three episodes in season one. I think of Anthony the way I think of Christian Siriano, which is that there's this modern or like current iteration of Christian Siriano, which is like host of or like the Tim Gunn of the current Project Runway, who's like constructive criticism and celebrating all types of bodies. When the Christian Siriano we met on season two of Project Runway was a bitchy little queen who used to say hot tranny mess. That was his catchphrase. He was Todd Herzog-esque. <laughs> yes. So I think what I have trouble with is this, and again, this is a theme on this show, right? Like we met the characters one way and we're like, who is this person? But in particular with Anthony, I just, I can't believe like we're spending time giving Anthony this storyline and it's so oh, no. bizarre. I said to Billy earlier, the fact that we open with Anthony in the this ghost kitchen pounding one single sourdough <laughs> as though like this is a business that is is somehow making profit is wild to me. Then Giuseppe, who I never needed to see in the first place, let alone again, comes in, doesn't wash his hands, and puts those dirty ass hands, which I'm sure have been on the subway, touching the damn pole, puts his hands in the bread. I'm like, Anthony, again, OSHA, OSHA, like, this is not acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> they have a D rating outside the window. Truly. Does it go down to D? I think so. Yeah, yeah, it does go down to D. But also it's like, they thought the HGH was a problem last episode. I'm like, that's fine. Bring them back. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I can't, yeah. So this was just bizarre to me. I don't need Anthony getting a side storyline, let alone one that involves this poet and this sort of, I don't know. What did you make of this? It's also just like Anthony, first of all, Anthony fired his entire staff for juicing, which I don't think, okay, so it, it, a legitimate reason to fire them if they're juicing in the kitchen, which they were doing, but like just on the basis that they were juicing, like it's not like they were athletes. Like I don't think you can just fire somebody for that. Um, and so there was that. And then he finds out that Giuseppe's gay and then fires him for that. And it's like, like, what kind of business are we running here? And how has this not come back? If this is his business practices, and we've seen two instances of this, there must be many more instances of yes. him just like firing people on a whim. And like, one, how does he keep the business running? Because it doesn't seem to have any staff. And two, how has he not had like multiple sort of like HR lawsuits brought against him? Um, so that's fine. And then let's all let's just imagine that this this is the way this world operates. And then that Giuseppe is like, I'm gay. And Anthony's like, well, I can't have it's not that you're gay that I'm firing you. It's that I can't be trusted to not sexually assault you in the workplace. I can't trust myself is well, well that's a really weird message to send about this character that we're supposed to like. And then that Giuseppe's like, well, you know what? You can't fire me. I quit, and now I'm going to fuck you. Just, I, sorry, I don't buy it. I just, like, what are we doing here? And the way that they really thought they were doing something with that ghost shot 
uh, the Patrick Dempsey Demi Moore oh, like, yeah. over the over the <laughs> arms and like did, like it was like wow wow yeah there's a scene when he comes back later on and Anthony delivers the line I can't hold that line I just was like the way that this is being treated. <laughs> As though it's like some like gay like melodrama is again we we speak about this all the time with the tonal whiplash of this show where it's like you get Charlotte giving like Mrs. Doubtfire kind of comedy trying to get into the Spanx and then like we cut over and it's like we have again the ghost reference you just mentioned and then like this plot line which is like supposed to ultimately be I think they want it to land in a very sweet place right but as you mentioned it's like the ethics of this are just super duper confusing I am just uh, perplexed yeah I said Patrick as I Dempsey am. and I meant Patrick, Patrick Swayze before oh, sorry and I just said Dempsey too me. rest in peace yes <laughs> I'm also surprised too that when we get back so I was so excited about this Miranda Charlotte Carrie Aiden dinner I was like how exciting to have you know four OGs back at the table and then we're like still doing more chicken talk I was like, this needed to be a 45 minute scene and I needed more, I needed like to catch, I need everyone catching, I needed more from that scene. And instead that scene was all about Carrie and Seema and I needed it to be about Miranda and Charlotte being back at the table with Aiden, an unfamiliar yet familiar place. Mm, yeah. I don't think that Howard's End has been discussed on television this much in decades. Thank God. No, well, no, thank God that it's being discussed now, not that it hadn't been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, anything else in this episode? No, it was a wild ride. Yeah. I had a good time, ultimately. I think that I'm really eager to listen to the writer's room now. Um, yeah, I would say, like, not a standout episode, but incredibly watchable. And so I guess, so we know that Charlotte's back at work and we know, mm -hmm. I guess we sort of have a sense. We know Carrie's going to Aiden's. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if we're meeting the kids. I assume we are. I can't wait to see like, and just like that's idea of a 14, 16, I think it's 14, 16 and 20, a uh, 20 year old. Don't, don't we already boys. have those in rock and Lily and Brady? Yes. Or whatever well, his name is? but Brady? those are like New York city kids. So I'm curious what their mm. idea of like these teens are, in Virginia country kids. Yeah. Um, that will be very, very interesting. Carrie's going to lunch with the ex that will be interesting. Although I kind of feel like we did that in season one when Carrie met up with Natasha, who is Big's ex. So I feel like we've sort of hit this beat before. Um, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. We, has, we haven't really talked about this. Can you make a prediction for me on how you think Samantha is going to enter the universe here? Well, it would be a slightly informed prediction. Oh. But I informed think... by what? Well, just by having seen the shot of... There's a shot? Well, I... Have... <gasps> FN. Okay, then we shouldn't say. Let's okay. leave it a mystery for people. Okay. Wow. Can I tell you this really briefly? <laughs> I was on a plane months. Actually, I, uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we don't want to get ourselves in trouble. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, anyway, cool. but to, so my prediction is that um, it will happen. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, like, I would think 
cer- certainly it's not going to be with SJ. I mean, I, so I, I assume it's going to be on the phone. I assume it's going to be a phone It's confirmed call. to be on the phone. That's been, that's oh, been revealed. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So she literally phoned it in. She phoned it in. She refused <laughs> to film with SJ, Cynthia, or Kim, and also refused uh, to have the script be written by Michael Patrick King. From Oh, excuse me. Allegedly. Oh. 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 And also refused to be costumed by... Molly and Danny, the costume designer's friend, just like that, and requested that Pat Field, the costume designer from Sex and the City, come in to do her scene. Yeah, well, I don't think that that that, that was not a mistake. So, uh, because... The funny thing is, oh, sorry, this isn't spoiling at all, but like when you see Kim, it's it's one outfit, and it's seen from the waist up, and so it's just so funny that like they would even like have this be a stipulation, because it's not like she's like... It's not like... Samantha's going to the Met Ball. You know what I mean? It's like right. a shot of Samantha. Yeah. It very easily could have been like, Kim Cattrall could have been like, I want final approval on whatever it is we end up with. But like, it did not require Pat Field to be like brought in from Emily in Paris to like, you know, bring <laughs> Samantha back to life. It was a little dramatic. Pat Field is doing Emily in Paris? Yeah. That's that why tracks. she, well, that's why we're told that she couldn't do it just like that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, this was like a power play by Kim Cattrall, right? Yeah. So, good She's for a powerful her. lady. <laughs> She's very powerful. <laughs> I, I, I Trust me, I've seen Glamorous. Okay, with that, let's pick an emoji for your meme cap this week. What are you thinking? I wish there was a pepper shaker. I wish there was a Spanx. <laughs> Should what we do happened? a salad in honor of Miranda? Yeah, or a garlic bulb. Remind me? Let's do a salad. Wait, remind me the garlic? Because she went, mmm, garlic. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the salad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bonus points for a garlic. Yeah, bonus points for garlic. Okay, amazing. All right, well, with that, uh, we recapped our... Re- I don't want to call it a recap, but we reacted to the first episode of Big Brother 25, where, of course, Legend of Survivor Sari Fields is playing along with her son. Uh, that is available now. Go check that out. And our recaps of Survivor Panama are continuing, continuing on our Patreon. You can find all the information about that in the show notes below. So thank you so much for listening. See you next week for Just Like That, Episode 9. Bye. Bye. Bye.